I'm Jakob Voigt, the CEO of Catalytic, and this is Unbundled. In this series, I help to demystify technology in the world of business. Join me as we explore how technology can make your business better. In this episode, we're chatting about email encryption. We're chatting about why you'd want to encrypt your email, how the encryption works, and how to get peace of mind um, that your emails are safe. By the end of this episode, you'll have a clear idea of how you can implement email encryption in your business. I'm joined by Amit, uh, you must help me, Para... Parbucharan. Parbucharan from Beachhead Solutions. Amit, welcome. Hi, Yako, and uh, hi to all your uh, audience and listeners out there. Thanks for having me on your platform. And as you can tell, by default, my surname is encrypted there. It's hard <laughs> enough to say, right? <laughs> so, uh, so we always start with uh, um, uh, the show, but just telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure, I'm currently the general manager for a US-based company called Beachhead Solutions okay. Incorporated, and I currently run the EMEA and Asia footprint of the business, working with our channel partners, obviously technology, and uh, really advocating for the platform and trying to drive awareness and education to people on, on just how risky it is using your computer today and services that relate to that, and of course, um, you know, pulling back to a key pillar, we're talking about email today, and there's a lot to talk about, I'm sure, but we'll streamline it for your audience. Um, and just quickly, uh, um, you've been you've been with Beachhead for the last four years, but you're an industry veteran, if we can say it like that? Yeah, Cam, you know, my, my, my history is really around uh, data management, data backups, uh, back in the days of trying to shunt data over really thin lines like modems, and, you know, <laughs> pioneered around a lot of uh, backups and things. Uh, but yeah, you know, kind of evolved uh, from storage management, data management and uh, of late now migrated into the security space which obviously is very exciting and I think very relevant you know the thing is there's a lot more that needs to be done and it it needs uh, I wouldn't you know really call myself an expert but certainly an advocate in terms of educating people and, and driving this general awareness because you know the thing about security Yaku is we're only as safe as the community yeah. and 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 what one person does in their secure stack influences the next person. So, you know, we can only achieve kind of complete security when everybody within the chain is secure. And that, that means from an individual perspective, when you're dealing with, uh, you know, businesses, when you are dealing with suppliers, you know, it goes all the way through. If you're looking from, from a business down to your, to your buyer or your consumer, yeah. well, that entire chain needs to be secure and you, and you can only become secure when those weakest links become secure. If you're looking from a consumer up to a service provider, equally, my individual and personal information is only as secure as that supplier that I'm dealing with or business that I'm dealing with secures it. So 100%. you can see it both, it works both ways and it's important, right? As a conversation piece to be had. So on that note, then, um, so email is so so. I don't know if I should say prolific or pervasive. Um, it's one of it's one of my personal bugbears because I think it's an unproductivity tool. But I think uh, we nobody can argue the fact that it's fundamental um, in terms of how people do business on a daily basis. I don't, I think uh, at our business, if uh, for a day people's emails doesn't work they'll probably they'll probably say they can't do their work so um tell me tell me some of the the security issues that businesses face on a daily basis when it comes to email look i think they they varied and there are several uh, but you make a valid point you know the 
uh, email today, uh, you know, business almost survives on it. You know, there's millions and millions of uh, businesses of all si- sizes, including sole proprietors, right, that depend on it uh, both as a communication mechanism but very much as a business tool as well. Uh, and you- also some data storage because all of my mails, I, I just keep it in my mailbox because that's where I go and look for it. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, um, some of the bigger players there, like the Googles of the world or Gmails of the world, have really spoiled us because part of their business model was exactly that, right? Teaching us to hoard everything. And if you want it, just search and find it. But, you know, the reality is it's actually a bad practice to just hoard everything because you're keeping things forever. And they like that because they can obviously, um, you know, house that information and, and use it in, in different shapes and forms to, to advertise and those kind of things. But I think just in general, from an email communication perspective, and I say communication because email is twofold. You know, the one part of email is the communication side of things. And the other part of email is, of course, the, uh, the storage and the data side of things. But, you know, if you look at email holistically and from a business perspective, well, there are various, uh, kind of risks that exist today uh, for any business of any size, right? Uh, business email compromises is one of those concepts. This is, for example, where um, either the mail system or an individual mailbox is somehow attacked and compromised and, you know, the attacker or the bad person takes over that and then they use that mail or mailbox to to do nasty things, whether that's to send out other emails or whether that's to hold a business ransom. So business okay. email compromise is kind of one concept. Uh, one so, so on that note, can I, j- just to clarify, is that where is that where somebody, for example, uh, manages to crack my password and they can log into my mailbox now? Is that yeah? That's one way of doing it, of course. Uh, you know, the technical ways on how one accomplishes those things are again, you know, several and varied. But exactly to that point, and and you know, from that perspective, there'll be starts, you know, sending or forwarding on your, uh, you know, your audience or your contacts. Emails that look like it comes from you. And of course, they have ill intentions when they do that. And, and a common risk, and, and I think something that's so prevalent today, and, and of course, your audience probably hear of it or know of it, and that's phishing, and, and certainly not the one uh, with the F, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, phishing is a form of attack. And, and this is really, uh, I think, one of the biggest risks right now, and we're seeing it. Um, in fact, uh, you know, just last week I was dealing with three individuals that got fished and, you know, their business got held to ransom or so they thought, you know, and it really wasn't the case. And, and, and the thing about phishing is that it makes you believe. I like to kind of draw an analogy to, to, you know, phishing and how that works. And, uh, and the analogy is very much similar to, to magic, right? Okay. Uh, or, yeah. or an illusionist. And if you think of if you ever were a kid going to a magic show or these days a bit more advanced, you know, seeing or watching an illusion play out, you know, whether it's on AGT or BGD or something, you get fascinated. But all of these things work in the same way, right? Illusionists trick the eyes and the mind typically, and they accomplish that um, with a fair amount of speed and accuracy. And phishing is no different. Mm. An attacker would be sending somebody something, and they are dependent on you either being busy and they know when to time you. It's the busy time of the day or it's the wrong time of the month. Yeah. And you kind of just don't pay attention and you ignore. And, and that's why I, I say what's important is the stop rule where you just pause for a moment before you click on something or respond to something. It's so important. But it's exactly that. And remember… And, and that to me, sorry um, to interject here, but that to me is part of the reason why… 
uh, why I I am not that fond of email because the, the sheer volume thereof. You, you know, you know, like like um, we can just get hundreds and hundreds of emails in a day. And in um, I mean, I I saw one this morning myself where. Uh, we've got a distribution list email and it says, Yaku, your mailbox is full. Click here to, to, uh, fix or something like that. Yeah. Now, you know, luckily I know that's not, it's not my value, but you know, it's like you say, it's that sheer volume and then they just catch you off guard and you, and you click on something and you go like, they are smart. The attackers are smart. They know what they're doing. Remember, for them, it's a business. Like, like yes. we're talking about, you know, uh, your audience being business owners. Equally, this is a business for, for the bad actors or, or, or the hackers, right? And essentially, from that perspective, they're reliant on, on your attention span and they're reliant on speed. Okay. And they just, you know, they, they're doing, I mean, they've got basically software robots or what they call bots. Just gurging these things out in the millions out there until and they find a. They just a need one percent of that to yes. respond, and 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 they're already in the millions, right? Okay. And a lot of it, the impact is is huge. I mean, a lot of it is what we call ransomware, where they can hold your content or they can hold your entire business totally ransom until you pay some some money. Uh, and there's also other forms these days, right? Where there's uh, redirects, where somebody's earning money for clicks. So essentially, you know, uh, getting you to a website so that you can click on something and then they earn the revenue behind that. Okay. Um, we in Father's Day month, we in youth month, we're coming up to tax seasons. Watch your emails. Those things are prevalent. I mean, just last week alone, I received several Father's Day things that looks like it come from our well-known brands in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Telltale signs. Well, they call it a barbecue since when in South Africa we call it a barbecue. We, yes. we call it the genuine briar, right? Yeah. And they're inviting you to win this thing and click on that stuff. I was with some, uh, one of the airline guys the other day and, uh, they had these fishing things. They had to put out a public notice, but fishing is a massive challenge. And, you know, as we unpack this conversation, we talk about the human layer or the human firewall. That's forget technology, Yako, and forget, you know, uh, other forms of security layers that we can apply. Yeah. The crucial element here. Is you and I and how we respond and how we react. And that's what we call the human firewall. Correct. Because until um, your audience members are aware and they stop and they pause and they don't act, remember, it stops with them. You get these so-called spammers that receive a WhatsApp and then, gosh, they just send it on to, you know, yes. all the family yeah. groups and everybody. And, and they rely on that, right? They rely on that perpetuation of people just forwarding this thing and, on. And, you know. and that's, that is one of the key um, threads that we always have on the show is um, specifically in the, in the small to medium enterprise space. Um, There's sometimes a perception that they say, you know, we, we so uh, my business is so small. Who's going to try and hack me? But that's exactly now what you're saying. You know, e- literally every everybody is a target. Absolutely. And and you know, when we talk about targets, let's talk about real money and what's going on right now on the ground here in South Africa. And, and one of the the key pillars of fraud going on right now is, I guess, for want of a better word, there's various terms that one could use, but just to simplify it, it's generally known as invoice fraud. And that's when uh, you effectively are emailing me and I'm expecting that email because it's a time of a month or something. Yes. And you essentially send me an invoice and essentially that's infiltrated on the internet uh, because emailed in its Native form is not a secure form of communication. Ah, you're getting to know right. what, uh, what I wanted to chat about. <laughs> and, and, and that's where they infiltrate it. And essentially at that point, um, 
will either change the invoice, particularly the banking details. And in South Africa, people like the conveyances, ISPs, etc., are highly targeted for this kind of stuff. Uh, and essentially, um, what they're doing is essentially changing the banking details. And that means that when I, as a consumer or another business, make that payment, I'm paying to the wrong account. And there's another concept related to that, and, and that's kind of related to what they call change of bank info. Okay. And it's a trusted uh, two-way communication between you and I. But all of a sudden, what seems to be an email from yourself comes to me and says, Hey, Amit, uh, by the way, we're changing our banking details. Here's the new details. Update your your app or your banking yep. you know, yep. uh, payment systems. But it doesn't come from you. I know of a construction company just about three weeks ago that went through this. And it was so smart how these guys targeted them. They 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 sitting at a garage and watching guys filling up uh, petrol. And, of course, they're watching these branded vans coming through with their logos and they make a note of it. And they targeted the accounts person on that company that says that they're from this petrol garage and, by the way, for this month – you know, by the way, we're changing our banking details. Here you go, changed it. And then that lady eventually paid over. And this is a real life case because I, I'm obviously privy to some of this information. And she paid over that stuff. By the time she realized that this, you know, she decided to do, do a check, you know, call the person at the garage and like, what are you talking about? We never sent any of that stuff. And it was too late because it was several days later and you, you have no recourse. Mm. And as far as the banks are concerned, well, you've made that payment. So it's on you. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it's, it's a broad concept, this concept of invoice fraud or change of bank details, but it's very relevant. You know, some of the big brand, uh, band, banks and you know financial institutes go onto the website and you'll see regular notices because they go through this all the time they are so targeted and then there's also so-called redirects right and what they do is they basically will be sending you stuff um like you had that example where you know you had an expired password or you've had an expired running out of storage or something and they redirect you to a site that looks almost exactly uh Popular is things like, for business guys, popular things like LinkedIn, you know, uh, log in or update your password or something. And they send it to a site that looks exactly like those professional sites, but it's not. And and the concept behind that is what we call credential harvesting. And that's where the, the bad guys are looking for your usernames and passwords. And once they've got that, they can extend and they can do more damage with that. So it's a broad topic, broad concept, but hopefully some of these points resonate with your audience. And, you know, as they close their eyes and really think about this conversation, think about the scenarios where that might, might have happened to them personally or somebody they know. And, and now we get on to the next point, which is, you know, unpacking this now and how one can kind of protect one's self or business ultimately. So before we go into that, uh, uh, there's a very important concept I want to, or, or question I want to ask you. Um, because I think, uh, as we're sitting here chatting, if if I'm sitting listening to you and I'm saying, okay, but you know my mailbox, I change my uh, my password regularly. I know that that uh, I'm not worried about getting active and I'm semi awake, so phishing is not is not a problem. Right. Is it possible that if I send an email from my mailbox to you, that somewhere over the internet that that email can be call it intercepted and and um the information that's in that email uh become visible to a third party that is unbeknownst to me absolutely and i think what a lot of people don't realize that uh you know without certain 
technical measures and controls in place, which many small businesses don't have in place, um, your email is actually an open text, right? That means that what you send me and what you type to me and what you attach is basically accessible to somebody over the internet. Now, I could be secure from my mail client, meaning my phone or my, you yes. know, something like Microsoft Outlook if I'm using that or my Gmail client. Uh, that could be safe from my computer to the service provider. But the big issue comes between the servers. So when your stuff floats across the internet, when it goes from service provider one to service provider two, you have no control as a user in terms of that technology and that security. And it's, we're reliant on the service providers to do a good enough job there. But the reality is many small businesses use service providers that A, are not technically savvy yeah. to secure stuff, or B, just don't do a good enough job and they kind of take a chance. And essentially, that's what we call the vulnerability. And these guys look for that to exploit it. And what you just described, that so-called infiltration is in technical terms what they call a man in the middle of an attack. Okay. And that means there's somebody that intercepts that and essentially is able to then access that email and then basically look at its content or redirect. Um, and there's a concept called, um, uh, you know, for want of a better word, DNS hijacking or mailbox hijacking. And that's actually where they take over the record, the internet record for my mailbox and then intercept that flow, but send it on. That looks like it's coming from me. Mm. Absolutely legit for the person that's receiving it, but it's not. And that's where a lot of the invoice fraud and things comes through. So anecdotally, I've heard of a, of a scenario where you, you were talking about conveyance attorneys um, earlier where uh, I'm buying a house I need to pay a deposit to the to the uh, to the attorney. Um, they send me the invoice via mail. So so for a period of time we transacted uh, or we exchanged emails, uh, you, you know, am amongst each other. But then when the when that invoice gets sent, the mails intercepted, banking details changed, and um, and like you said um, earlier, if I didn't pay that money, and three days later the attorney phones me and says, "Listen, where's the?" Where's the deposit? And I'm like, no, I paid it, and and the money is gone. And, and I think for me, that's where, even even in our own business, we discuss it a lot. Uh, uh, for example, emailing a password to somebody or, or something like that, where it's very hard for people to to understand that uh, that uh, exchange between you and me is it is possible to be intercepted. Absolutely. And you know, the best way to describe it is if we kind of cast our minds back when the, the post office used to work here, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, that's the reality, right? Because let's let's talk about layers of information exposure and security, right? So if I had to send you a postcard, you know, way back in the day over the post, right? Whatever I wrote on the back would be viewed Openly by the postman and the postmaster and the post yes. and the people that's delivering that mail or, or, or message, right? So naturally, I, I would just be, you know, putting normal stuff there. I would no way be putting banking details, right? On yes. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So let's create that analogy now if you're thinking like about that. that. Now let's take that postcard and put it in an envelope. Right. So essentially that envelope is what the Internet service provider started doing. So ooh, this can't just go open like this. We need to kind of secure that. And that's called the stream security. So that's the communication layer. That's the stuff your service providers would be doing. So they take your postcard and now put it in an envelope. So on the Internet, at least it's a little bit disguised. Right. So that's stream security. We need to take that one step forward now. 
and you actually need to lock up that envelope as a user to say, oh, well, somebody can just open this envelope because I don't know what you're doing with that envelope yes. right? and how easy it is to open. And that's the service provider's responsibility. So in order to secure the content of what I wrote in that letter or postcard is essentially now um, ciphering um, that data or that postcard meaning that uh, instead of just sticking that little you know uh, envelope uh, kind of cover I'd probably put it in another envelope that I would own and close it up with a lock that I would know it's almost like uh, in those spy movies where they used to put the, the wax on with a, with a stamp like a, <laughs> an emblem stamp, right yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it. and that that emblem and that stamp that lock is me doing it and that then kind of gives rise to the concept of what we call end-to-end encryption. That means from the time it leaves me, okay, I put it in that envelope, I sealed it, I have a level of assurance that it's now going out from me completely secure. And by the time it gets to the recipient, the receiving party, right, yeah. is that all the way through, it's completely secure. And that's what we call end-to-end encryption. So, no. so on that note, um, and we need to delve into it a bit more, but if that, uh, if I send a mail like that and it gets intercepted midway, what does that interceptor person, what do they see? Well, they'll see garbage, right? Okay. Uh, over the internet. Remember the whole internet works on ones and zeros, right? And basically the whole point of encryption is to scramble that information so that when somebody tries to see it or view it, you know, normally it's open text. You can just read it. So, okay. hi, Yaku, as an example. Uh, now it will just be, you know, because it means nothing unless I know what the key or the, or the decipher key is to unlock that code to read it. So the concept of encryption, of course, is, is age old. I mean, we kind of know it. Yeah. Um, and the thing about encryption, it was always kind of military technology. These days, it's it's open for all of us to use. And so the concept of encryption is important because it gives me a level of assurance that what I send is in completely secure and locked by me. And only the person that I give that key to will be able to understand what that means or, you know, can open that message, essentially. Um, uh, when The minute you start talking military grade or or banking grade or stuff like that. I just see lots of dollars. So to me, listening to you, it, it makes so much sense that um, I, I, I'm, I definitely have some emails that I'd like to be encrypted. So why, if uh, it almost seems so logical, why does every business not, not have um, encryption services? So there's this couple of uh, responses to that. Of course, cost is one of those uh, answers, right? Um but I think as technology providers, uh, that's part of our goal is to, is to make this kind of technology A, relevant and B, so affordable that even a small business uh, or even a sole proprietor, single person business can make use of this kind of approach or technology. And, you know, again, looking at the different forms of encryption out, out there, there's very expensive forms of encryption and there's affordable forms of encryption. But, but I think... Forget the technology here. Let's talk about the experience because encryption is only as powerful as that experience. And, you know, Yaku, we have kind of done quite a bit of market intelligence in South Africa when we were looking at, you know, the tool that we bring out for everyday business use here, 
Okay. Um, and, and that comes down to what we call the recipient experience. So when I send you something, if you all of a sudden struggle to open it and you're battling with it or you have to now click on something or log into other portals, people are not going to embrace that, right? And so the recipient experience is is very key. And we looked at all the different forms of encryption. And, and one that really does make sense is using something like what we call uh PDF encryption or portable document format encryption, okay. right? PDF is ubiquitous. Most people know it. It's well known out there. Uh, if I can cite an example, you're probably receiving some communication from your bank or medical aid or something in a encrypted PDF, which is password locked, and you might have to enter your ID number or something to unlock that. Yes. Um, that is a concept of email encryption, but that is probably the one that gives the best recipient experience. There are other methods that um, you receive, not the mail itself, but you'll receive a mail that will point you or a link to another third-party site. Then you've got to log in there. Then you've got to create another username and password. Then you've got to get in there. But essentially, you can you can see the complications already. Yes. Right? You want something that is really user-friendly and something that just is a no-brainer. And, and PDF, like I said right now, is so ubiquitous, meaning that there's so many people that use it. Even your, your average person out there with a smartphone or, or tablet or computer can open a PDF file. And that makes it very relevant. And all you got to do is, is then obviously lock it with that password, but strong. Yeah. And, and then it comes to the next question is about that password transmission. Yes. Okay. And you're reading my mind, <laughs> <laughs> leading you on there, right? So, um, I mean, with regards to that password transmission, it's, it's all about now how do you communicate that to that third party? And there's various ways, right? If we, if we're saying it's the actual password, then I need to give you that actual password. Um, I can do it again via email, but maybe a separate email as opposed to it in the same email. Yes. Uh, but the preference is to do it something out of band. What that means is separate to that email infrastructure. Like a WhatsApp or SMS. A WhatsApp, or an SMS, or, you know, uh, uh, we even have customers that use their call center. So you actually call the call center okay. and then you qualify your identity and then they basically give you the password to unlock your, your information. So there's various means. Uh, but of course, from a user-friendly perspective, I guess SMS is probably good enough uh, to communicate that, and it's separate to the email. And again, there there's multiple ways one could accomplish that, is whether you transfer the actual password or whether you transfer a hint. Now, what do I mean there? So rather than saying your password is, let's call it 1234, now I tell you the password is our secret number. Okay. Now, if anybody looks at that, they don't know what our secret number is. Okay. okay. So that's a password hint. So that's another way to make sure that this security is a lot more bolstered. Okay. And so we can, you know, also do that with the app where we don't transmit an actual password, but a hint that only sender and recipient knows about. Um, then that also. That comes back to that human firewall story that you spoke about earlier. Absolutely. It's about trying to, to, Keep the prying eyes off this kind of stuff. Right? So basically, our communication at one level is is secure, but the content is then secured between you and I. So, so can we just um, just quickly uh, from a process perspective? I've got my email client open. Right. I want to send you a secure mail. Right. I press a button that says I want this email to be encrypted. I attach whatever information I need to attach. And that gets sent to you. Mm-hmm. When you when you get it and you click on it, there's nothing that you can do with it. Uh, or when you try and open it, it's going to then pop up a, a 
a box that says please enter a password, a password. to unlock it. Yeah. Uh, as simple as that. As simple as that. So okay. if, if people, if your audience out there have experience with receiving an encrypted PDF from their bank or yeah. any big institution, our app is doing exactly the same thing, but at a fraction of the price. Okay. I mean, uh, you in technology and you know the kind of systems behind that. Uh, it costs mega bucks to achieve or accomplish that kind of stuff. Not for the everyday use of man in the street type of, uh, you know, scenario. So, you know, we have taken a lot of that concept, but, you know, really brought it down to a point where it can be practical and affordable for a small business. And we're talking about a few rands. I mean, literally costing a business owner probably less than two coffees a month to have that kind of application to do that kind of security. And, you know, the thing about email encryption or, or sending personal and sensitive data encrypted is that you a sending it securely but b you 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 get to earn trust because when i'm yes. communicating something personal sensitive of your information to you and i've encrypted it it kind of gathers your trust to yes. me uh, as a supplier to you or a business that you're working with to say these guys actually do care but there's a third point to be made here yako and that is compliance and many small businesses don't realize we, we do have a law in place yeah. called the Poppy Act or Protection of Personal Information Act that stipulates as a business, if and when I ever hold or process uh, personal information, i.e. contact information, ID numbers, account numbers, etc., under law, I'm obligated to safeguard and secure that. Now, if you take that to the next step, which is, if I email that to you, as a sender, I'm considered what we call the responsible party. Yeah. And essentially, that means I'm liable. Uh, and to and that can be that. as uh, that can be as something as uh, simple as um, one person in Cape uh, in the, in your Cape Town branch sending customer information to uh, a person in the same business in the Joburg branch, and that email can get intercepted. I mean, we when I when I think about this, when you uh, you know, as we we're talking now. Um, I mean, we've had scenarios in, in our business where, where colleagues, uh, mail each other, a, a customer list for, for whatever reason. Um, and, and, and that, that is, a, that's at risk. It can be intercepted. Yeah. Uh, it certainly is at risk. Probably less, uh, uh, than when it's sent out to an external party. No, well, you, and, you have uh, the other scenario where, uh, if you have a common name like me, where it's Yaku, uh, you know, uh, and in that your email drop down list, uh, you just pick the first Yaku and then, uh, you accidentally send your customer information. Oh, to yeah, absolutely. That's common. That's accidental breach. And that's a, that's a form or type of breach. And we see this happening a lot in the UK where businesses are being fined because they've exposed the list and it contains people, you know, people's personal information, et cetera. And it was erroneously sent to, to a wrong person or something. Yeah. And it depends how malicious it is. You know, generally in that form or type of communication, there's established trust. The, the real risk and the real issue is when it's to an external party and then it's infiltrated or or some bad person then tries to do something with that to maliciously, maliciously use that data or information, okay. right? I want to ask you two more questions. We we uh, we can go the whole day. I'm sure. <laughs> um, so one of the things that we're very big on is um, once we, we, we promise something to a customer in terms of a solution, we always like to have some form of, of reporting information. So let's say me as a small business owner, I said, I listened to this. 
um, I go, I need this email encryption. Is there some of reporting, some form of reporting that I can get that shows me how many of the mails that were sent was, or how do I get peace of mind that the encryption is actually working? Very good question. And again, you know, the whole point is about simplifying this. Okay. And imagine using a tool or a capability where you don't even need that kind of stuff. Okay. Because the minute it leaves your inbox, it actually validates that this is being encrypted and you can check that in your sent items of your mail client, like okay. Outlook, right? So from the point that it's leaving you, if you even open in your sent items, so garbage. you can okay. see the PDF and unless you know the password, you're not going to be able to open it. So okay. that's a good form of validation. Uh, so from that perspective, no real reporting required. It's just an app that you'll install inside of your Microsoft Outlook client and you can send out emails encrypted easy peasy. Okay. With the SMS passwords transmitted free of charge and worldwide. Well, okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Last question. So we, we always end the show by saying, okay, right, let's make it real. So if I'm now sitting in my example in the show, always is I'm running an accounting firm based in Centurion with a branch in Durban and Cape Town. Uh, we're about 35 people throughout the organization. I listen to this now. I'm in the accounting business. I'm not technical whatsoever. Where do I start? So definitely we have service providers too. To help with this because um, although it's easy, you know, understanding your use case and customizing the application based on the use case is important. So we would encourage the use of a service provider, uh, which we have nationally in the country. However, it is so simple that literally you can take the application, install it, and you can start using it. We have what we call automatic mode, where it's pre-built with the default configurations, and you can yeah. just start going from there. Then we've got advanced modes, which allows a lot of customization. So from that perspective, you can just download and go. So it's easy to implement. Yeah, absolutely. And then can I POC it? Yeah, absolutely. So you can request a trial from one of our service providers or okay. us directly. And we do actually have an informational uh, website for this kind of stuff. Uh, it's called encryptionforoutlook.com and the four is a number four. Okay. Uh, encryptionforoutlook.com. It will give you information. It uh, will, you know, we have blog posts there. Uh, we have case studies there, but you can request it through that uh, to get a, you know, a trial version of the software and try it out within your business. So, um, Amit, thank you very much. I think for, from my perspective, um, uh, you and I have spoken about this. Uh, this uh, encrypted email scenario in a small business space is something we've been, we've, I've been looking for for quite a while because it has been prohibitive for, for, for smaller businesses uh, that has a requirement like this. And, uh, and I, I truly think that, uh, you know, in terms of, in terms of email security, this is one of the most fundamental and most important things that we can and should implement as a, as a form of urgency. Absolutely. And you know, like all things in security, it's a line of defense, right? It's, it's all layers. Yes. If I can just leave your audience with, with five things, you know, uh, that they should do right now after listening to this podcast, basically go out and Update your password. You know, password is a massive thing. And and the thing about password is, yeah, complex and things like that is one thing, but it's the length. Yeah. The longer the password, the better. I would actually like to see our industry change the the term password to passphrase because that's what you need. I'm going to do a quick test with you, uh, Yako. <coughs> Let's do this, right? So somebody's trying to decipher a password or trying to create a password for their email. Let's forget password or the use of word because psychologically that's where people think one word and they're trying to create something yes, yeah. it's wrong right let's count up the characters if you can do this for me as a favor right let's do an example here so creating a password for your email 
Here we go. Count up the characters. Yaku is on cliffscentral.com today, exclamation mark, 22. I'd go 30. It's way more than that, I think. <laughs> but essentially, that's a phrase. That's a sentence. Yes. And it basically means that it's much harder to target. There's various reference sites and, you know, anything over 15 characters, 20 characters, we're starting to talk about millions of years to basically crack that. Um, looking at your producer here, what, what, uh, what is the character count there? <coughs> Yaku is on cliffcentral.com today, exclamation mark 22. Okay. While she does that, another important fact, and I, and I'd like your audience to leave your doing this, go into your email, go into your WhatsApps, go into your Facebook, Instagrams, and go and set up what we call two-factor authentication, or some call it uh, two-step verification. That is so important because if somebody is trying to basically change your credentials or your passwords and trying to hack you remotely, um, they'll get through one layer, but you'll also get an SMS or a notification separate saying somebody is doing this. If it's not you, you know, uh, act on it. But that you got to change code, the, the second factor, and you have to authorize that. So if somebody's trying to hack your passwords or get into your account remotely, they're not going to receive that. Okay. And the whole point of multi-factor authentication is something you know and something you have. And normally I have my phone, so it's something I'm receiving. Okay. So let's do that as the first thing. Go and change your password to something long. A phrase. A phrase. Not a, word. a phrase. That's it. A passphrase and enable two-factor authentication. Use a reputable antivirus, anti-malware tool on your devices. They're really important. Yeah. And then check the technical loopholes. Now, I'm not expecting individuals to do this, but phone their service providers and check the things that's going to happen out there, the external things, right? what we call technical measures. Um, and those protections are important. The next important thing is the human layer. And what I mean there, Yako, is become aware do some online training. Be vigilant. And one can test this. There's various simulators out there where you can actually get an example simulation and see how you'll respond or react or your staff will respond or react. We call that phishing simulations. Okay. And if you fail well, you, you probably need to bolster up your knowledge and awareness because if you're clicking on it, you could be very susceptible to this, right? And remember, Father's Day is coming up. Don't yes. respond. Uh, if I'm allowed to say brands, no, ShopRite's not running one. Woolworth's not running one. Pick and Pay's not running one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there's no competitions. If it's too good to be true, it's not, right? And then the last point is encrypt those emails. It's important, especially when you are, you know, normal chit chat is okay. It's when you are communicating private, sensitive, and personal information to customers and consumers and and there is no excuse now every business can afford it absolutely and everything i've spoken about here yaku is all free to do right except if you encrypting then maybe you'll need an application to do that which is our application and uh, of course people can reach out to catalytic for more information on that Amit, thank you very much Great. thanks for listening to unbundled brought to you by catalytic a series that aims to demystify technology so that you can make smarter decisions for your business. Remember, you can listen to all of the episodes on the Cliff Central Apple website. And for added convenience, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And um, if you're looking for help with communications tools in your business, please visit catalytic.co.za.